Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Bass Edge Radio bringing you the absolute best bass fishing podcast in the entire universe. Welcome to the show, everyone. Oh, man, Kurt, you know, that was so heartfelt. <laughs> I am sure our audience, you know, put them into tears. And speaking of heartfelt, a couple weeks, Valentine's Day, right? And watch this cool transition. Black and red, the colors of MegaWare Keelguard. That's right. They're bringing this valentine's day edition there you go kurt valentine's day edition of bass edge radio brought to you in part by MegaWare keel guard the first do-it-yourself keel protector with three intimate adhesive be sure to check them out at keelguard.com kurt japan that's well, all i'm gonna say japan yeah yeah we got it we got japan i'm happy to hear about the MegaWare keel guard bromance because we <laughs> have been in a serious bromance with them for years and years and years and uh super happy to uh you know are they going to come out with um some valentine's day specials you think yeah they were hoping you know they've got this new uh heart-shaped keel protector that goes on the front of the boat they were hoping that you were going to kind of run that on tour this year for them they're going to put a k on one side and a g on the other i like it i like it just as long as they send me sweet nothings all through the year that'll be just fine i'm in for that Uh, it might be more the latter right I'm sure. But anyway, I'm getting ready to head out and go to Japan. I'm jacked up. I'm going over to Hayabusa headquarters in Hyoko, Japan, which is just outside of Kobe. I guess it's kind of central Japan, a little to the south side geographically. But uh, then I will be able to attend the Osaka fishing show as well in, in Osaka, Japan. So, man, my first trip over to that part of the country. I've been a lot in Europe and Western Europe, Eastern Europe and, and those those areas but uh, my first trip over to japan and nothing better than having to do with bass fishing so dude i'm fired up we're gonna have a full report on the march 1st episode and i'll give all the listeners you know some of the details of a couple cool things i saw you know taking some pictures showing it on social media and i'll have the full gamut of info coming up well make sure uh you have some kobe beef right Uh, yes um, you need to have that while you're over there some sake and then uh also make sure that the uh new approved here a few months ago tax plan make sure you repatriatize some of that money and bring all that back over here to the united states and kind of use that to fund your fishing for 20 i like it that's a great idea you know you being the financial guru of course you would figure all those things out so i want to need some more tips on that by the way yeah speaking of tips uh i look forward to actually to seeing all of that and hearing more about it and certainly we're going to talk more in detail on that in future episodes but right now we have a protecttheharvest.com tackle tip to get to This is Hunter Schreierock with our protecttheharvest.com tackle tip. You know, my tip is when I'm punching matted vegetation is to get away with the lightest weight that I can. When you start talking about a two ounce weight or larger, that is a large chunk of metal that's got to be able to come out of that fish's mouth before the hook. And what I found is a lot of times when I use a heavier weight, a two ounce above, I lost a lot of fish. So I like to use a one and a half ounce or lower. I try to make that work even the thickest stuff that I find. And now going to sparse vegetation, I'll go down to a one ounce or a three quarter ounce, anything to just get the bait through the hole. 
and then work it after that. But use the lightest weight that you can get away with when you're punching, and your hookup ratio is definitely going to increase. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats is now the official boat of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to check out the Nitro Z-Series Performance Fishing Boats. The 2017 lineup features five boats ranging from 17.4 up to 21 foot 2 inches. Two new models for 2017 include the Nitro Z-17, our entry-level bass boat at 17 foot 4 inches and rated for 115 horsepower. The flagship of the Nitro lineup, the Nitro Z-21 at 21.2 in length. Its performance and fishability is unmatched. Designed with input from top elite pros like KVD, Edwin Evers, Rick Klun, and Ott Defoe, Nitro Performance Fishing Boats. Champions aren't born, they're made. Well, Kurt, always uh, good to be talking this time of year with you during a kind of really just heightened basketball season. You know, it won't be too long. We'll be talking about uh, March Madness and the matchups there and filling out the brackets. But uh, before we get to that, you know, it kind of reminds me of basketball is uh, back in the one-on-one days of, of as a kid and kind of shooting some hoops. And I understand uh, our friends at BassZone.com, Mr. Mark Jeffries, has kind of a unique look and twist on uh, pairing up some anglers. Yeah, Jeffries with Bass zone.com and matt pangrak who's also over there and does a great job facilitating that website have come out with a uh, live one-on-one fishing program so they had their first one which was actually um a couple of weeks back uh at the very end of december i think it was the 28th it was between christmas and new year's there but they basically announced this deal that they're going to start this one-on-one they had sean goodwin which aaron you're familiar with sean goodwin guys a super hammer you know in the oklahoma area Ozarks won the All-American previously and then of course my main man Brad Hallman who's uh, an FLW Tour champion and uh, they went one-on-one dude so it was cold it was freezing and you can check it out on BassZone.com they got the highlights and everything but these programs are running live and then they'll have you know kind of updates after it happened you know kind of like a shorter segment but it's 90 minutes of fishing a 15 minute break 90 minutes of fishing to finish it out and it's one on one so it's a pretty cool little deal hallman took the title in the first one-on-one episode the second one-on-one episode is touted right now at basszone.com and it is happening in february so sometime this month be sure to check into basszone.com you're gonna have wesley strader one-on-one against gerald swindle so uh, should be real exciting and this is a cool little process that uh, jeffries has got going he is the media guru of bass fishing. You know, BassZone.com was the first media outlet to bring you live bass fishing. So uh, they continue to step up the bar and up the scale and do cool, innovative stuff for all of us uh, bass heads that are uh, just can't get enough of the stuff. Yeah, certainly, and <laughs> you know, have always been a uh, 
long-term partner, an important piece of Bass Edge. We appreciate and also enjoy that relationship there with uh, BassZone.com. But Kurt, you know, even though we're right here around this first part of February, uh, depending on what part of the country you're in, you know, we had that major cold front that came through and all the way into the tips of Florida, you know. We talked about that uh, Florida had some snow earlier, but what's your prediction? What's going to happen here with this colder temperatures, I believe, below average as far as the temperatures and how that's going to impact bass fishing? Yeah, you know, I tell you, being in the game for a long time, I've, I've kind of seen this process happen before, and it has been a cold winter overall on average. It's been cold. The snow and everything else, uh, you know, heck, they had snow at Toledo Bend a week and a half or so ago on a big cold front that came through. And so it's been chilly. And what I see happens when this phenomenon kind of occurs is that the whole spawning process takes a little bit longer to develop. And not only once it starts developing, then it's more of a straggling process more than a big move. I think when you have a warmer winter and then that water warms up and then boom, they're just ready to be there already. Well, this year, I think with the colder and we'll, we'll have to see kind of how this plays out over the next several weeks. I mean, obviously, February 1st is a lot different than March 1st. And you're only talking about the extreme southern portions of the state that are even starting to get into kind of think about late winter pre-spawn, you know, in Michigan and and New York and and heck, even in Kentucky, there's still more in that mid, maybe getting into that late winter pattern. So it's going to depend on on what the spring comes and how that works. But generally, I see this really slow down the spawn process. So beware when you're hitting the water out there that it has been a super cold winter. Make sure that you start a little farther out than you typically would. If, if you're usually starting to fish in, you know, March or April or, or maybe early February, I think that these fish are just going to be pulled out a little bit farther than a typical year. Yeah, you know, certainly as far as the uh, areas that I fish, I mean, that generally means one thing, and that is a larger shad kill you know, the suspended jerk bait, right? Some of those presentations, it's going to resemble that. Those bass should be just sitting down there, just munching and really not having to go very far to do it. So slowing down, I think is key, creating a longer pause or just slowing down the presentation in general, because uh, those fish, they might be a little stoved up for a little while longer, but anyway. I know uh, I'd be stoved up. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to find some set by the fire. Anyway, so, hey, we have good news. Our next Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight is queued up, ready to go. Let's see what Mark has to say. This is pro angler Rick Morris. I am professional angler Brandon Lester. This is BASF Elite Angler Boy Duckett. This is FLW Tour Pro Josh Douglas. This is Mike McClellan, and you're tuned in to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron and Kirk. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. 
I am super excited to have this feature angler on the show. I think one of the favorites to probably do well in the first BASS event of the 2018 season. This fella is a Westie that moved to the southeast side to chase the dream of professional bass fishing. A staple on the FLW Tour for several years. Came out of the gate strong 2017 in the BASS Elite Series. Welcome to the show, Mark Daniels Jr. Appreciate you being here, Mark. Hey, thank you guys, man. I really Really appreciate you guys reaching out. Hopefully, uh, we can have a good time here and get some good questions taken care of, man, and share some knowledge. We're always about having a good time. The information part is always sketchy, but uh, <laughs> especially when it comes from us, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, but no, Mark, we're glad to have you on the show, and certainly glad to have the West Side represented here on Bass Edge Radio. You know, I've been doing a, a little bit of research on you, and I know growing up in Fairfield, California, very close to the famous California Delta. I've got to know, were you a North Delta guy since that was kind of closer to your home, or, or did you venture more <laughs> you to know, the southern uh, part? You know, it's funny. Initially, when I first started fishing the Delta when I was a kid, of course, that is my home body water. Being from Fairfield, I did fish a lot of the North Delta just because it was literally closest to my house, and me and my dad would always go out and launch at a place called B&W Resort. Very popular. A lot of the local guys launched oh, yeah. there, and a lot of the elite guys have also launched there when uh, they come out to practice. And so I was really familiar with that area. But as I developed as an angler and I started competing more and fishing more tournaments, of course, like any other body of water, you have to expand your game and start to venture out. And so, you know, the Delta is such a unique fishery, in fact, that you could literally win in all four corners of that place. And so although I'm very familiar with the, with the North Delta, man, I, I fished it all. Sounds to me like you were more of a South Delta guy <laughs> as, as time progressed. <laughs> <laughs> At times, man. At, hey, wherever they're biting, man, I'm, I'm going. You know, you got it. That's right. Uh, you, you know, always <laughs> haunting that next one. You got to do it. Look, I actually grew up as a tidal water angler, too. I grew up on the Potomac River. Then I moved the opposite way. I moved west and, and started, right. you know, obviously fishing a lot of lakes and stuff. So I live now at Lake Amistad. And how was it for you to make that transition, even as you're growing up? You know, you mentioned, you know, you grew up on the Delta, obviously a tidal water fishery. How difficult is it to make that transition to fishing lakes with little or no current? Well, for me, it was pretty challenging. Although, you know, in, in Northern California, we're blessed, man. We have best of both worlds. We got the California Delta. We got Clear Lake. We got Lake Shasta. We got Oroville. There's Lake Berryessa right up the street from my house. Yeah. And those fisheries are close, but I didn't spend a lot of time on them. And so, for me, I'm what they call at home a Delta rat. And so, when I, when I came out east and I started to compete on tour level, you know, I had a lot of difficulties. One being, you know, I wasn't very familiar with electronics. You know, on a California Delta, we use a rod, more or less. See how deep it is. Yeah. Um, you know, electronics go as far as, what's the water temperature? Okay, let's roll. You know? And that's <laughs> right. all we really looked at. You know, and so when you get out here and you start to compete, especially on a tour level, I would say even on a triple-A level, man, the offshore game, the electronic game is a must. And it took me a couple of years to get acclimated to that. And so, to answer your question direct for me it was it was a little bit of a challenge it really was sure yeah i had the same thing you know when you're tidal water fishing you're so current oriented you know with high tide low tide there's good stuff going on in, in different cycles of the tide you know right. that's totally what you're keyed in on you know at least for me obviously and invisible cover was a big player every once in a while right. you get a submerged log or something out there or you know something that's jammed up on some riprap or whatever but you don't find that a whole lot with electronics a lot of times because right. you're running across 
across a flat, like you say, you don't even look at it to run. You just, oh, you, there's water there. Let's run it. Trim it up. Let's go. <laughs> hey, man. And, you know, and I didn't even mention the tide aspect. Like you said, tide played a huge role in, in my success early before I came out as well. And in my opinion, you know, tides are opportunities. It, they're windows. And so you get hung up on, okay, we need to be here at this time because the tide's doing X, Y, Z, and a third. And then that would pull through several different areas of the delta. And then when you come out on a lake where there's no tide and there's not necessarily the window of opportunity, more so as finding the right area, you know, right. It's, it's a lot different. And so, you know, again, it was getting acclimated to the different style of fishing and just being in unfamiliar territory. Took some time, but we took the challenge wholeheartedly, man, and uh, we learned a lot talking a little bit about you know kind of your foundation you know more or less in the sport you grew up fishing over there in california you won the tbf gave you the living the dream package you went and fished the tour qualified for a cup 2015 was a good year 13 14 and 15 you crushed it i mean you i think you won a a rayovac uh won the tbf started fishing the tour qualified for the cup dude you were you were the featured angler on the flw premier series the circuit breaker that was a that was a huge deal And um, 2016, a little tougher, but you qualified for the Elite Series. You know, a little tough on the tour, FLW Tour, but qualified for the Elite Series through the Opens. Now, right back on track in 2007, you know, you qualified for the Classic. Dude, let me get your big picture here. Does this seem like a whirlwind? I mean, you're talking about four years here. I mean, there's a lot going on with Mark Daniels Jr. in four years. It really has been, man. And to be honest, it's just been a dream come true, man. And it's almost hard to put it into words sometimes because, like you said, all of what you just spoke of is crunched into four years, which is not a lot of time. And I've been really fortunate and blessed, man. I've had a lot of success early in my career. And I just felt like every year that I've competed, things have gotten better. From an angling standpoint to a sponsorship and partnership standpoint, it has just been getting better and better and better. And like you said, in in 16, I had a tough year on the FLW Tour, and it was easy to get down to yourself and kick yourself in the butt behind that. But in the same token, I qualified for the elite, and so it was still like a highlight in my year. You know, like, again, it's just really tough to put it into words, but I can tell you that a lot of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, you know, I I visioned this as a child, man. This is just something that I've always known I didn't know how it was going to happen. I didn't always have the resources to make it happen, but I never lost focus on the prize, man. And so when I was competing back home, you know, just working a nine to five in agriculture, you know, all I could afford to fish were these TBF tournaments, man, $120 all in as a boater. And then team tournaments, of course, which cost you about 150 bucks a weekend as well. But I still had that desire and that passion to take it to the next level and to continue to compete. And I never lost focus of that. And then boom, before you know it, here I am, you know, at the national championship, this one shot, this one chance and then what do you know i win the tournament man and it literally changed my life that day what a story that is is just fantastic you know appropriately named living the dream package that is fantastic and certainly you've been a great ambassador and a great representative of that as we kind of look into 2018 i mean it's it's well underway you know here we are at the first of february and and i'm sure that a lot of the most of the preparations i i guess would assume that those are coming to a close and you're kind of geared up to hit the water i'd like to know your thoughts do you try and get 
in several days of fishing in the couple weeks just prior to kicking off the season or do you feel that you're always ready to go no matter how much time you've been able to be on the water? I like to prepare a little bit, Aaron. I'm, I'm one of the guys, I'm not a big time hunter, so a lot of guys are in the woods right now or just coming out of the woods, you know, they've been hunting all season. I spend a lot of my off season actually preparing for the upcoming season and so I'm a tackle tinker. I like to stay organized and I like to stay on the water and keep my skill set sharp. You know, I'm not going to wait until the last minute, oh, I got a tournament in two weeks, let me hurry up and try to fish and get my casting back together. You know, I'm constantly working at it and constantly trying to become better and I think that also helps me out throughout the course of the season and so yeah the season getting ready to kick off here in just about a week you know i feel like i'm already prepared physically for that but then there's still a mental aspect of it and at the end of the day you still got to find the fish man and that is the biggest hurdle that we all face every single event man there's so much going on with all that stuff it is crazy i got gonna jump back real quick i keep thinking about this question in my mind and i'm like i gotta figure out when to ask this question and, and the question is you talked a little bit about your previous job and you know yeah. how you were fishing weekend tournaments and doing other things you were an agricultural biologist i think i understood and and i'm not sure i ever saw yeah. exactly where you went to college I know there's been some references of, of you going to school, but how did that all come about? And talk a little bit maybe about, you know, the weekend guy that has this dream that we talked about earlier that you've been able to come to fruition. And there's so many people out there that think about this and, and think, man, there's just no way, you know, there's no way. And you've paved the way. So I just wanted to touch on that real quick. Yeah, sure, man. I mean, I'm just a normal guy, man, like everybody else, like you, like me, like Aaron, you know, we're just normal people. We all have the love and passion for fishing. I went to college at Tuskegee University, which is in Alabama, which is where I live now, actually. And, you know, I graduated. I had a, my bachelor's degree in environmental science. And, you know, my thing was I'm an outdoorsman. I wanted to take a career in an outdoor type atmosphere. I didn't want to be jammed up in some office behind a computer. Just wasn't who I was, you know, being an outdoorsman. And so naturally I got into uh, agriculture great job as an ag biologist. I worked for the Solano County Department of Agriculture for six years. It was a great career, man. I loved what I did. I interact every day with different farmers and growers. I learned a ton about all the different commodities, how big agriculture is in California. We send this stuff all over the world. It was a great career, but my heart was in fishing and it always had been. And so when the opportunity arose and I won the TBF national championship, you know, I was forced to make a huge decision, which a lot of people would probably have taken the guaranteed career type of a job. Yeah, they would have passed on it, right. Benefit. Yeah, you know, 401k, you know, these kind of things that you could rely on in the future. You know, it's a lot easier to take that route. But again, my heart wasn't there. And so I chose fishing. For the everyday guy that's out there working, you know, my advice to them, because I get this question a lot, through my social media outlets. You know, man, I, you know, I see what you did. I watched you on Circuit Breaker, man. What's a tip that you could give me, a normal weekend guy that has that same drive and passion that you do to make it full-time as a full-time angler? And I tell them, I think a lot of people make the mistake they jump in too heavy in the beginning, off the rip. They, they go straight to, you know what, I got some money, I'm going to go fish coasters. Put my money, I'm going to go fish coasters, I'm going to go jump in this bass open, and I'm going to try to become an overnight KVD you know, right, right. in a year's time. And the reality of it is, is it doesn't work like that. And you have to cut your teeth. You have to put that hard work in. You have to start at the bottom and grind and work hard at it to make it to the next level. And so, like, for me, I fished a lot of club tournaments, and then I graduated from the club level. Then I started fishing TBF. Then I graduated from TBF, and then I started fishing pro-am tournaments. 
where I, I was in control of the boat that weekend and I had a, a non-boater with me. And then I graduated from that end and I started fishing coasts. You know, we don't have bass opens out west. And so I started fishing coasts. And so I think it's that process where you learn how to become a better angler, that time on the water, that experience is what's going to lead you into the next level and becoming a professional angler. Well, Mark, I can tell you one thing. If your career in fishing and then your backup career as a biologist does not work out, you should be a preacher and start a church because you're... <laughs> You know, it is the gospel according to Mark right now, I'm telling hey, you. I like that, man. I mean, I don't know if a preacher's in my future, man, but, you know, I think the problem with anglers upcoming, no, I don't want to say it's a problem, but the misconception. They see you on TV or they see you on the cover of a magazine. You're holding up two five-pounders. They see you with a $50,000 check. Their perception is that reality. They think that's right now. That's what I can get tomorrow when the reality of it is sleeping in the back of your truck eating noodles being away from your family all the different stresses that are laid upon you that you don't see you know and that was what's so cool about circuit breaker that i did that you spoke of it showed all of that the highs and the lows see people only see the highs on tv magazines youtube videos they don't see the lows the grinding the barely having enough gas money to put in your trucking boat to make it to the ramp that weekend i've lived that and that's a different reality that people get a rude awakening when they jump out here thinking that they're getting ready to become a professional angler. And so I don't like the sugarcoat things. I tell them how it is. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it. But yet and still, the reality is also that you can do whatever you want to do and become a professional angler if you're willing to put that hard work in. Yeah, that's good stuff. I want to make sure that everybody knows that you can go out there on the FLW media outlets and still catch a lot of those episodes. And uh, they're great stuff. It really gives you an insight to who Mark Daniels Jr. is and get you fired up to actually travel his path and, and see his path and watch his path and, and be a fan of Mark. So that was definitely a great thing. On a quick note, before we go to break, you've had the opportunity to fish both organizations, obviously two major organizations in, in fish and bass and FLW. What are a couple positive things from each trail separately? I really enjoyed fishing on the FLW tour, and I really enjoy fishing on the Bassmaster Elite Series. You know, again, it's, it's what the anglers make of it. One thing I'll say positive about FLW tours, they still have co-anglers. I know a lot of people are anti-co-angler, more or less. But to be honest, there are times where the professional angler learns something from the co-angler. And I've been in that situation in more than one occasion. You know, you got your mind made up. You're going to go out and flip this jig. You've been flipping a jig for hours. It's not working. Co-angler pulls out a drop shot or a fluke or a wacky worm, and he starts crushing them. Then you tie one on, and next thing you know, you went from zero fish. Now you got a limit <laughs> and you're inside a check ring and really the only person you could thank is that co-angler. So that's something that's really positive about the FLW tour that they still got going on. And I appreciated that, that knowledge, you know, from somebody else being in the boat. On the bass side, you know, what I really enjoy is the amount of exposure they give their anglers and the opportunity, you know, of course with ESPN, but their website, the traffic that they get on their website is tremendous. And just from doing a simple article or write up or a blog, that allows you to really get your name out there and build that brand. And, and I've been trying to take every single advantage of that. Appreciate your response on that, Mark. And we are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back here on Bass Edge Radio chatting with Bassmaster Elite Series angler, Mark Daniels Jr. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. If it's hard to stop or you hear squealing and grinding noises during braking, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. You'll find the brake parts you need from trusted brands like BrakeBest, BrakeBest Select, and Wagner ThermoQuiet at everyday low prices. Play it safe with brake parts from O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
Edge Radio brought to you in part by Nitro Boats returns with Bassmaster Elite Series Angler Mark Daniels Jr. in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. Be sure to check out the entire lineup of Lucas Oil products right here on BassEdge.com. It works. Getting right back into some fishing with Mark Daniels Jr., you probably have one of the best sponsors for early pre-spawn bass fishing, Rattle Trap. Let's <laughs> chat about the lipless crankbait. Why is it so effective during the early part of spring? And also, what kind of adjustments do you make with your lipless crankbait fishing to have success and continue to catch fish in this early spring part of the year? You know, you said it best, man. It is probably hands down the single best bait. Late winter, early spring, you just cannot beat an original Bill Lewis Rattle Trap. And I mean, it's an iconic brand. It is a lure that I would say that's in every single angler's tackle box. I don't care if you're a shallow water guy, a deep water guy, your grandpa threw them, his grandpa might have thrown them. A rattle trap is just a staple bait. And I'll talk to you about why I think it's so effective that time of year. You know, water temperatures are down generally. We're talking anywhere from the mid-40s up to the low-50s. Fish are a little bit lethargic, but they know spring is on the horizon. They know that they need to feed up and that there's going to be that point in time where they're really dedicated to spawn when they're not going to eat, and feeding is, is at the forefront of their brains during that time. And there's something about a rattle trap, and in my opinion, it's just the natural action that it has. A rattle trap mimics all bait fish as well as crawfish to a T in the action. That very tight, quivering action that it has is second to none. And then you couple that with all the different sounds that Bill Lewis brings you, whether it's the knocking trap, the original rattling trap, then one of my favorites is the stealth trap which has no rattles in it. Not a lot of people throw that one, but that's definitely a a hot commodity. It's the action in it, and it's just, it's really hard to beat that action, and there's no other bait like it. Talk to me about where and how you're actually throwing that, because, you know, there's a lot of different techniques from yo-yoing to just reeling and casting, you know, ripping it up out of the vegetation. Can can you cover a few of those things for, you know, our listeners who's just trying to pick one up and, and figure out what is the best way for their application? Absolutely. And first, what I'll touch on is, you know, where you should throw it, because that's a big deal. A lot of people get confused. There's so many different places on the lake where you can go but what i'll tell you is try to pay attention to where you think these bass are going to migrate from and where they're going to end up in terms of spawning so right now they're in their wintertime pattern they're going to be a little bit deeper but they utilize these creek channels to move into backs of these coves and the backs of these bays to eventually go ahead and spawn and they know that migratory route that they're going to take and so try to find areas on the lake that you can see that you can use your electronics i know for me on my garmin the lake view ultra card that shows up terrifically i can follow those creek channels and see eventually in my mind where those fish are going to end up responding so those are areas that you really want to key on when fishing a rattle trap now as far as techniques there's several that work i oftentimes get out on the lake and the first one that i do is what i call the the nice and steady it literally is a cast it out let it hit the bottom and just reel it at a nice steady speed back to the boat now generally that's not an ideal technique but the reality of it is sometimes that's a killer technique i don't know why they like the nice and steady solid retrieve back but they do sometimes and so i i play with it but then of course you can let it go to the bottom you can pop it off the bottom six seven inches we call that yo-yoing let it fall back down to the bottom and a lot of times those fish will grab that bait when it's slack line and it's falling back down to the bottom very effective technique a lot of tournaments have been won back home on clear lake doing this technique yo-yo on the trap it's just really deadly then another thing all the fisheries that have grass 
probably my favorite way to fish a trap, and it's just one of the best ways and most effective ways in the springtime to catch fish on traps, and that's snapping it or popping it or cracking it. I've heard it called so many different things out of the grass. And in this technique, you want to cast the bait out and deliberately let it get snagged into the grass. And then with a quick snatch, pop that bait out of the grass, and it looks like a flame bait fish or crawfish. And those bass have to have it. They cannot stand it. That is probably my number one technique as far as fishing trap. I love fishing in grass like that. And then another technique, the last one that I'll leave you with, I call it sweeping. And that's when I'll cast it out. It's similar to yo-yoing, but I'm moving the bait a much further distance from A to B. And so instead of snapping it and bringing it up off the bottom six to seven inches, I'm doing a sweeping technique where I might move the bait two to three feet and then kill it and then let it go down to the bottom and then sweep my rod from left to right again, two to three feet, and then kill it. And a lot of times the fish are following and tracking that bait. And when it hits the bottom, it disturbs the bottom, makes a little bit of a, a mud cloud or whatever's down there, or might come in contact with some rocks and make a little extra noise. And I've just found that to be very effective. And that's another way that I'll fish it. But the last thing I'll say is play with several different cadences, retrieves, etc., and let the fish tell you what they want. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. But these are just some tried and true techniques that I've used that time of year that works for me. What's your opinion on why in that late winter, early spring, bass are so keyed up on tight wobbling lures? You know, you can look at several types of manufacturers, brands, but, um, you know, you throw back to the old school tried and true shad wrap, right? Real tight wobbling crankbait you, you can go to. And Aaron, what's, what's your favorite bait up there on the Ozarks, that little tight wobbling crankbait? Wigglewort. Or no, uh, well, the wiggle wart. That's a, that's a little wiggle bit of that's more of a wide wobble, but that's that's certainly yeah. That's that's going to be more of a wide wobble, but that's it definitely my number one. You know, all those baits though have that real quick quiver. What is it about that time of year that fish seem to key up on that? tight wobbling situation like a rattle trap or like a shad wrap or those types of lures seem to be very effective why do you think that is you know what i'll, I'll be completely honest with Curtis. I, I really don't know and that's just being honest <laughs> right um, right what i do know is that they absolutely crush them that time of year and so i don't think twice about it i just use them but the reality of it is like aaron spoke of the wiggle wart that's another one of my favorites i actually and i and I love a shad wrap as well another one of my favorites but like he said the, the wiggle wart has more of a wide wobble to it yet I've caught them on the 46, 47 degree water as well. So it's hard to explain that. And I don't question bass. I just kind of roll with what they tell me. And so it's a fact that tight wobbling baits, a rattle trap like you spoke of, shad wraps, DT6, you know, things like that, they work exceptionally well in cold water. And so I don't even question it. Kurt, I just, I just roll with it, man. Uh, Most biologists, Mark, will say, well, we think, you know, you just said, oh, hell, hell, I don't right. know. <laughs> you know so I like it. I like it. I think, guys, they want to have an answer. Listeners want to hear an answer so then they can go, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I can do that. But man, let's just be real, man. We don't know everything. You know, we're, we're learning every day as we go. I couldn't tell you why they like traps with that tight wobble. But I know when it's cold, they like a tighter wobble. And so I don't question it. I go grab a tight wobbling bait unless I'm in the Ozarks and then I'm, I'm probably going to grab me a wiggle ward. <laughs> <laughs> That'd probably do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Both situations. Absolutely, man. No doubt. They love those wiggle wards over there in Ozark Lakes. I don't know why, but they do. No doubt. No doubt. Well, we've kind of covered the gamut of the trap and the tighter wobble and now kind of into the wider wobble. Are there any other baits that may fall into this category that you like to employ on a body of water when you're just beginning beginning to kind of look and find that stage of a lake in the early spring? Yeah, man, there's a lot of different brands. Obviously, I'm sponsored by Bill Lewis, which is a great partner of mine, and I throw the mess out of a trap. But the reality of it is also that I use a lot of other baits because I have to. 
You know, it is what it is. And so, you know, one of my favorites is, uh, again, with Rapala, man, that DT6. It's hard to beat it. It's another one that has a tight, quick wobble. It runs really true. It's a balsa-style bait, no rattles. I like that. Uh, it's just a great bait. Another great bait is a Spro Little John. It's another bait that I throw a lot. Those are probably, you know, between the Shad Wrap, a DT6, a Spro Little John, and a Rattle Trap. You know, late winter, early spring, those are probably my top choices. As that water warms up a little bit, I really like the Echo 1.75, which is also a Bill Lewis brand bait. But that's more of a wider wobble. It displaces a lot of water, and that's something I like to throw as, as spring kind of takes an effect and those water temperatures get up into the mid-50s. But those three baits are going to be the first three that I have tied on or four baits, rather, when I'm hunting in that time frame. Good stuff. Hey, you're living, like you said, down there in Alabama, first Elite Series event on Lake Martin. I'm sure you've spent some quality time on the lake. I'm going to say shot in the dark. Kennedy and Kelly J probably lived there their whole lives. Probably going to be a lot of media attention (laughs) heading the event for those guys. How are you going to sneak up on them and take the title? Man, you know what? Like you said, I put my due diligence in. I spent some time over on Lake Martin, man. It's an awesome lake, incredible fishery. There's probably not another lake that we have been to last year or looking forward at the schedule this year, maybe the exception of Champlain, but that have more bass in it than Lake Martin. I mean, that place is just covered, littered in bass. It is amazing. But unfortunately, they're small Kentucky spotted bass for the vast majority of them. And so for me, not being a local, and uh, granted, I live about 40 minutes from the lake, I don't have a ton of knowledge on that lake, but in a short, quick synopsis, what I can tell you is I think it's going to be the guy, hopefully myself, and this is my game plan, my thought process, that can figure out how to mix in some of those quality largemouth that that lake has because there are some nice fish on that lake, you know, three to four, five-pound largemouth that live there as well. And so I think it's going to be a guy that can mix in some of those with your Kentucky spot, with your nicer-sized Kentucky spots in that two to two-and-a-half-pound range that are going to have a true opportunity at winning. And right now, that is my game plan. Sounds like you're on track, man. I'm pulling for you. That's for sure. It's going to be interesting. You know, it's so important. It's just a confidence boost to get started on the right foot at the national yeah. tour level, at any level, quite frankly. Even if you're just trying to go out and just catch bass for fun. You know, you get yeah. started, start catching some fish, kind of get some good momentum, good mojo going. Seems like it can really set the tone for a good event or a good year. So um, that first one coming out the gate is always important and, and always very fun to watch to see who's going to put their head and shoulders above the rest to get started so for sure i mean like you said last year i started off decent it wasn't a great event but i started off i think i finished 40th in the first event like you said man you fish on the tour as well i mean it's it's something to be said to start the season off on the right foot it's a great boost of confidence uh it gets your mojo rolling right off the bat and you can carry that throughout the whole season and i'm and i'm looking forward to doing just that awesome man well we're going to move into our listener question segment this listener question segment is brought to us by power pole shallow water anchor system swift silent and secure today's question comes from Derek jones Derek asks when seeking those winter pre-spawners what methods do you use quickly to eliminate water what baits do you deploy to seek them out try to remain efficient with your time one of the things that I like to do, I like to pick up a lot of reaction baits. So that's going to be your crank baits, spinner baits, jerk baits, jigging spoons. I consider that a reaction bait. Things like that. Something that's going to allow you to cover water quickly. And with that being said, I think becoming more comfortable with your electronics is something that I've learned over the last couple of years that has made fishing in the wintertime and all year long so much easier for me. And uh, like I previously stated, I use Garmin's and I use the HD Ultra Map card, man. Garmin gets out and scouts these lakes, and they do an exceptional job at catching every single contour and depth change on that lake. 
And that allows me to eliminate a lot of water visually before I even hit the lake. And so becoming more familiar with the electronics, learning how to read the map, that's going to help shorten a lot of your search time. And then if you couple that with the moving bait, I think you're going to find fish faster. And then that's going to allow you to catch more at the end of the day. Well, it sounds to me like, again, a common theme, as always here on Bass Edge Radio, is understanding those electronics. Mark, certainly appreciate you answering sure. Derek's question there. And Derek, one thing we need from you, as always, be sure to log on to BassEdge.com, click that Claim Your Prize segment, or please contact us through our various social media or send us an email to support at BassEdge.com to let us know that you heard your question answered right here on Bass Edge Radio, and we will send out that coveted gift card. And as a reminder to all Bass Edge listeners, keep sending in those questions through our Facebook or our website, BassEdge.com. You can click right on there for Ask the Pros, and we will ask those questions to all of our featured anglers here at Bass Edge Radio. Hey, Mark, I really want to thank you for spending time with us here on Bass Edge Radio. I hope you get the 2018 fishing season off to a great start. I want to give you an opportunity to pass along any final thoughts for the Bass Edge listeners, if you so choose. Yeah, man. First first and foremost, Aaron, Kurt, thank you guys so much for having me on. Thank you guys for what you do. It shows like this that help get the knowledge out to the everyday angler, weekend angler, whoever you might be. And this is what grows the sport, and I appreciate that, and that's why opportunities like this I jump on to share my knowledge and my experiences which you know it's still pretty early in my career but I like to put out the information that I've learned over the years man so thank you guys for what you do I appreciate that and then you know I'll end on for all you listeners out there that are inspiring pro angler you know you have the thought that you want to become a professional angler you know you want to follow this dream do just that man there's gonna be a lot of naysayers a lot of haters as we call them nowadays in the way but don't listen to that keep your eyes on the prize if you want to do this you can do it it's just that simple but you have to put your mind to it. You need to be dedicated, and you have to be faithful to yourself. And I'm going to leave on that note, man. That's just my last little two cents, little tidbits I'm going to leave you guys with. And, uh, again, thanks for having me, guys. You bet, man. Well, Mark, before you go, appreciate you being here again from my behalf. But before you go, I'm going to send you off with our little deal, four last questions for you. Y'all ready for this? <laughs> yeah. All right. So you're a Westie out there in that yep. zone. 49ers yep. or Raiders? Man, I'm born and raised in Richmond. California. And for all of you that don't know, that's like a city and a half next to Oakland. Of course, you know, the Bay Area is just like a chain of cities. And so I'm like 10 minute drive from Oakland. So I'm going to have to go with the Raiders, man. <laughs> all right, cool. What's the current song you got on heavy rotation right now? What's your favorite song? And, you know, recently, man, I've been listening to a lot of Kendrick Lamar, man. I'm a, I'm a huge Kendrick fan. Obviously, he's from the West Coast. That doesn't hurt as well. But the dude is just a plethora of knowledge, man. His upbringing is really similar to mine, and, and I just really enjoy his music. It's hard to pick just one song, you know, but uh, I'm going to roll with DNA, man, right now. You fished all over the country. If you retire today, which lake do you retire at? California Delta, hands down. Mm, going back home. I like it. Down, man. All right. Favorite I mean, season of fishing, spring, summer, or fall? That's tough, man. I mean, this is going to be really cliche, but you got to go with the spring, man, because that is that one window of life, that one window of the year where you have the opportunity to put the biggest bass on the wall that you could catch. You're a preacher. Spring. You're a preacher, man. You're a preacher. Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> I might, I might, I might dig into that. We're, 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 we're taking offering. Revival's coming next week. <laughs> yeah, I need some, I need some, like, can we get some tides going right now? Oh man, it's good stuff. Mark, man, oh, it's been man. awesome good having stuff, you man. here on Bass Edge Radio. Thank you again. Super appreciate it. All the Bass Edge Nation is going to be rooting for you. Bass Edge Radio Thanks, will return after these messages. 
Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. You know, Kurt, I, I gave Mark a little bit of trouble and kind of kidding him, you know, concerning the preaching and that. But the guy really is passionate and very heartfelt with the message that he brings. And you can certainly see why he's had success on tour. Yeah, he's definitely one to watch. Again, he's kind of young in the sport as well. I say young in the sport. You know, 2013, he won the TBF National Championship. That's a that's an honor anybody would take to the grave, right? But, you know, he, his aspirations, you know, were much growth beyond that you know, with fishing the FLW tour, um, having that great year in 2015, you know, being a part of the circuit breaker on the FLW tour was a huge moment. I think a huge part of him one because he had the success and, you know, fans really got to know who Mark Daniels jr. Was and what an exceptional angler he was. So that was really cool. And then obviously his path since then has been, you know, one that of his own choosing because of his performance. So it's been fun to watch. Mark's a great guy, obviously super knowledgeable continue to uh look for him to be very successful in the game yeah no doubt and uh certainly i couldn't help but appreciate his detail that he went into concerning fishing those lipless crankbaits specifically the original bill lewis rattle trap and uh, speaking of the original certainly bass edge falls into the category of original as we are the original podcast that started all right here for bass fishing dating all the way back and appreciate all of bass edge nation tuning us in and making us number one in the podcast space for years be sure to join us on our next episode, number 274, February 15th. In the meantime, be sure to check us out on BassEdge.com and stay abreast with us on all of our social media. So long, everybody. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. The Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.